Good morning, City Church. It is so good to be home this morning. We haven't been for a while. I've had the privilege of speaking in a couple of other churches recently that have taken us away. And I'm just going to say there's nothing like being in your home church. It's just so good. Now, if you have heard me preach before, you might have noticed that I'm old school, that I have my Bible, I have sheets of paper, I even write in them on pen. That's my process. I'm old-fashioned. I'm not really that up with technology. And my brother didn't really realize this when about 10 years ago, he bought me an iPod shuffle. Did anybody ever have one of those? A tiny little square that was able to have your songs, messages, all sorts of things on it. And he bought it for me for my birthday, thinking, oh, this would be great. Amy could like just put her earphones in, and then she'd be able to listen to all the things she likes to listen to while she goes about her day. I'm going to make a confession. I never once used it. (laughs) Do you know why? Because I didn't know how. So I had this expensive, high-tech, very capable little device sitting in my home, and I never used it. I never received the benefits that my brother intended me to because I didn't understand the gift that he had given me. (laughs) Quiet in the cheap seats. (laughs) But you know, I think it's often like that for us with Holy Spirit, that we've been given this incredible gift. You know, Jesus actually says he's to our advantage. In John 16 verse seven, he says, but I tell you the truth, it is for your good, Depending on your translation, it might say it is for your advantage, it is for your best, it is for your benefit, it is profitable for you that I am going away because unless I go, the counselor, Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. We have been given this incredible gift. We have been given an advantage to do life with. And Jesus wanted so badly for us to understand the richness of this advantage that he spends a huge portion of his last days on earth explaining to his disciples who Holy Spirit is, what he will do. John 13 through to John 17 are the chapters where Jesus is leading up to the cross. And if you have ever had the privilege and the pain of sitting with someone who knows that death is near, you will know that they choose their words very carefully, that they think about what is it that I want this person to know? What is it that I want this person to understand and to carry from me if I'm never going to have this conversation again? And so as we lean into today's text in John 14, I want you to be thinking about it through that lens. Jesus knows his death is imminent. And so he's being very careful about what he spends this time talking to the disciples about. And Holy Spirit is at the forefront of his mind. So if you've got your Bible, if you've got your Bible app, I'd love you to open with me to John chapter 14. But before we read, I just want to pray. Father, we want to thank you for the gift of your word. We want to thank you that you wanted us to know you, that you wanted to reveal yourself to us. And so you took 
the time to record your word. And so we pray that as we are in it today, that you would deepen our understanding of who you are and what you are wanting to do in us and through us. And we pray that you would give us understanding of this advantage, of this incredible gift of Holy Spirit within us so that we can live as you intended us to. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we're going to jump around a little bit first off as I set the scene of what Jesus is going to say to us about Holy Spirit, and then we're going to come back and go a little bit more slowly through the chapter. I'm warning you, we could do a message on every verse, so we are just going to look at this chapter through the lens of Holy Spirit today. So John chapter 14, verse 1, Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. And I just want to pause there because the idea was that the disciples were troubled to the very core of their being, that the foundations of their faith were being shaken because Jesus has just told them that he's going. And they're trying to wrap their heads around who they understood the Messiah to be. They thought he was coming to physically set them free, to throw off the Roman oppressors, and that hasn't happened and he's going. So they're like, hang on a sec, this doesn't look like we thought it should. This doesn't look like anything we understood or expected. And you know, as I was preparing this message, I felt that many of us have been in this place, in this season, where there has been much that troubles our hearts. And we're trying to understand, God, what are you doing here? Perhaps even the very core of your faith has been being shaken. And so I want you to hear, Jesus is not just saying these words to the disciples, he's saying them to us this morning. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back. And I will take you to be with me that you may also be where I am. Then we pick up in verse 16. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Then in verses 25 to 27, he says, All this I've spoken while still with you, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. And he says it again. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. We don't need to be troubled. We don't need to be afraid when the world is not going as we thought it would. Why? Because not only do we know that Jesus is coming back, but that we, we know by the power of his spirit, he's with us now. And not just with us, beside us, within us. Holy Spirit is our parakletos. There we go, I butchered that one. 
<laughs> he is our counsellor. He is our advocate. He is our comforter. The definition of that word means summoned, called to one side, especially called to one's aid. That is Holy Spirit's mission. He has been sent, he has been called to come and stand alongside us. It also means one who pleads another's cause before a judge, the defense counsel, an advocate. One who pleads another's cause with one, an intercessor. And in the widest sense, it means a helper, a socora. I'm going to confess to looking that word up because has anybody dropped that word in a sentence recently? No, okay. It means someone called to help in a time of distress. That is what a socora is. An aider, an assistant. So when the enemy accuses and attacks us, Holy Spirit is our advocate. When we don't know how to pray or we need someone to stand in the gap for us, Romans 8 says Holy Spirit not only prays through us, he prays for us. When we're grieving, when we're in distress, Holy Spirit is our comforter. He is our Sakura. And when we don't know what to do next, he is our counselor, he is our teacher, he is our guide. Jesus would go on to say in John 16 that he will lead us into all truth. You know, we have seen this play out very, very tangibly and personally in our family's story in the last few years. For the last two and a half years, we've been walking through a really painful mental health journey with one of our kids. And you know what? When I felt the enemy saying, this is your fault, you must have done something as a mum for your child to be suffering in this way. I've had the Holy Spirit speaking truth speaking up on my behalf, but not only has he been defending me, I've watched him defend my child. I could tell you story after story of how at just the right time we have got just the right person. In the public mental health system, we have got believing practitioners, and what a difference that has made. He has been our intercessor. When I have been too caught up in the day-to-day -day of caring for this child, when I haven't known what to pray, he has raised up people who will pray for us. Even last week, when I was bringing this message at Pukekohe, in between services, I checked my phones. One of our pastors down in Dunedin had messaged me and said, Holy Spirit, put your child on my heart this morning. This is what he showed me for her. This is what I'm praying for for her. Time and time again, Holy Spirit has been our intercessor moving through the people of God. And do you know what that has changed for us? It means while he has been comforting us in our mourning and in our distress for this journey, He's also been speaking hope because he's showing us what? He's showing us what the Father sees. When we haven't known the next step, Holy Spirit has been the one saying, say this, don't say this, try this. Don't do anything, just trust the Father on this one. And you know what, in the same way that he has done that for us, and I could testify to area after area of our lives where Holy Spirit has moved in those ways, he wants to do it for you. 
in your marriage, in your parenting, in that work situation, in that health issue that you're facing. He wants to come and he wants to be your advocate. He wants to be your intercessor. He wants to be your comforter and your succor, and he wants to be your counselor. He doesn't just want to do it for me. He wants to do it for all of us. And he doesn't just want it to be theory that we read these things. He wants us to know them. He wants us to live out of them. But we downplay this advantage we've given, we've been given. I'm going to put my hand up. I'm not going to ask you to do it. But I will ask you the question, have you ever said, I just wish Jesus was here? I just wish he was in the room and he would tell me what to do. Jesus is in the room by the power of his spirit. Not only is he in the room, he is within you. You know, when Jesus said, I'm going to send you another counselor, the word that he used for another was the Greek word alos, and it meant another of the same kind, or the same kind in a different form. So Jesus wasn't saying, Holy Spirit is less than me. He's saying, you receiving the Holy Spirit is the same as me being here with you. We are both sent by the Father. Scripture says they're both our advocates. They're both our intercessors. They are both with us. And as the Son hears and sees what the Father is doing and is obedient to us, John 16 tells us that Holy Spirit hears what Jesus is saying and tells us that. The Trinity works in this beautiful sense of unity and mirroring of one another, each looking to the other and passing the message along. And Holy Spirit, it's his time, it's his turn to be the one moving on earth, telling us what Father and Son are doing so that we can get in step with it. And do you know why Jesus said it was better that he go and Holy Spirit come? Because Jesus had chosen to be constrained by an earthly body. So if he was here with us this morning, he couldn't be at Botany. He couldn't be at Pukekohe because why he was here. But Holy Spirit goes everywhere I go, everywhere you go. That is why he is our advantage, because none of us ever have to be without the counsel and the presence of God. Always, always with us and within us. But, like I discovered with my little iPod, you have to know how to use something to get those benefits. And there are some things on our part, some postures, some attitudes, some habits that we're going to need to be willing to cultivate if we want to reap the benefits of this advantage of living with God within us. And so the first posture that I want to challenge us today that we must choose to adopt is the posture of faith. Going back to earlier on in John 14 now, picking up in verse 5, remembering that Jesus has just said, I'm going to the Father's house. And so Thomas says to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? How can we get to be there with you if we've got no idea? And Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my father as well. And from now on, you do know him and you have seen him. And so Philip pipes up and he says, Lord, show us the father 
and that will be enough for us. And ever patient, Jesus answers, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you for such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. I hope you notice some of the words that I was laboring that were repeated in that passage. Believe, 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 faith. It's a key theme of John's gospel. And the next time you decide to read that gospel, I want to challenge you to look for the phrase, believe and receive. It is peppered throughout. We must believe to receive the right to become children of God. We must believe in order to receive eternal life. We must believe in order to see the glory of God. We must believe in order to have the ability to hear and to understand what God is saying. Faith is the currency of heaven. And in the same way that we must believe in order to receive some of the things that I've just shared, we must believe in order to receive Holy Spirit. But what is it that we are being asked to believe? Jesus answered, I am the way. Fun fact of Bible trivia for you. The language that Jesus used there is a direct reference back to Genesis chapter 3 when we're told that the angels were guarding the way to the tree of life. They were preventing people for that season from coming back to the tree of life. The tree of life was what sustained everything in the garden, what enabled life to be as God intended it to. And that might seem harsh, but if they, in a state of sin, ate that tree from that tree, they would live forever in a state of sin. So it was grace that was guarding us for that season from eating from the tree of life. And Jesus is saying, what was once guarded is now opened. I am the way. The way back to the life that the Father intended is open. It is me. Come, believe, come, receive. I am the truth and I am the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. We are being asked to believe that Jesus is who he said he is. The way, the truth, and the life. And he made it clear in verse 17 that unless we receive and believe Jesus is the truth, we cannot receive the spirit of truth. In verse 17, he says, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you do. We want to receive the spirit of truth. 
we must first believe the truth, Jesus. But there's a verse, Colossians 2, 6 says, So then, just as you received Jesus Christ as Lord, continue to live in him. And we could add in brackets, as Lord. See, here's the thing. If we really believe that Jesus is who he said he is, that he is God, that he is the way, the truth, and the life, we won't just make him Lord for a moment when we pray a salvation prayer. We will let him continually be Lord. If we want to receive the benefit, the advantage of Holy Spirit, We must let Jesus be Lord. Let him be master. We must adopt a posture of obedience. In verse 15, Jesus says, If you love me, you will obey what I command. In verse 21, he says, whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I too will love him and show myself to him. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, John tells us, said, but Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him, and we will make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. In verse 31, but the world must learn that I love the Father, and that I do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Now, as we begin to talk about a life of obedience, a life of continually letting Jesus be Lord, I want to be clear, you cannot earn Holy Spirit. He is a free gift of grace that you receive when you place faith in Jesus Christ. Neither can you lose him when you stuff up tomorrow. Who's, who's going to stuff up tomorrow? Hmm. He is a gift of grace. He is the seal on our lives Ephesians tells us the guarantee of all that is yet to come. But there is something that we do hold sway over. We can determine the ease through which he is able to flow and move in our lives. And Jesus is making it clear that obedience is what helps to give Holy Spirit unrestricted access in our lives. Obedience is the measure by which God assesses what he can trust you with. If you are a parent, if you've led a team of any sort, you'll understand this. Who is the one that you give not only greater responsibility but greater privilege to? The one who has shown that they care about the things you've already entrusted to them. The one who shows a respect for the values and the culture of your home or your school or your workplace. That's the one that you confide in. That's the one that you trust yourself with, that you trust your things with. And this is what Jesus is saying when he's saying, you know, the one who obeys, the one who loves, that's the one I show myself to. 
The psalmist says that God confides in those who fear, who reverence him. Obedience is not about list ticking. It's not about being a good rule keeper. It's about a posture of our heart. The very word for obey is the word tereo, and it means to attend to carefully, to take care of, to guard. When you love someone, you take care of what matters to them. You interact with them in a way that protects your relationship with them, in a way that protects the things that matter to them. And what Jesus is saying is, your willingness to obey me is not just about what you believe. Yes, you'll obey me if you really believe that I am Lord. But your willingness to obey is also about who you love. And that's why this third and final posture matters so much if we are going to be people who live with the advantage of Holy Spirit within us. We must have a posture of love. Verse 21 again for you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. In verse 23, Jesus replied, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My father will love him and we will come to him and we will make our home with him. You know, when the religious leaders who were all about the rules, all about the list ticking, all about the law came to Jesus and tried to catch him out and said, what is the greatest command? What is the most important thing that we could do to be good, to be righteous? What did Jesus say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. strength. In other words, with the totality of who you are, love God. The Bible has never been about a list of rules. It's been about a way to be close to God. From Genesis through to Revelation, we see a God who longs to reveal himself to his people, a God who longs to walk with and talk with and live with his people. He walked in the garden with Adam and Eve and we're told in Revelation 21 that when a new heaven and a new earth comes, the dwelling of God will be with men and he will live with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. Intimacy with you and me has always been the goal. That's why Jesus says, if you love me, if you care about what matters to me, I'm going to keep showing myself to you. I'm going to keep revealing myself to you. I'm going to come and I am going to make my home with you. There is a now and a still yet truth to that home. Where did we start in John 14? That Jesus was going to the Father's house, getting ready to prepare our rooms. 
And you know, there are so many nuances in the Hebrew language. <coughs> and there's aspects of bridal language in this passage, but there's also aspects of the temple. And Jesus is pointing us to the eternal temple, the day when he himself will be the temple that we dwell with, when he will make his physical home with us. But the truth is now as well, by the power of his spirit, the Shekinah glory of God that once was contained and restricted only to the most holy place that only the high priest could enter once a year and only after the shedding of blood, that glory, that spirit is now at home in you and in I. We are God's home on this earth. And do you know what the fruit of that is? As we talked about how Jesus looks to the Father and he does what the Father is doing. And the Spirit looks to the Son and he tells us what the Son is saying. We enter into this beautiful dance with the Trinity. We are invited in to this mirroring Because as we make room for Holy Spirit, as we believe that we might receive Him, as we obey, as we guard the things that matter to Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, as we love God with all that we are and give Him the place that He deserves in our lives, Jesus says in John 16, that the spirit of truth comes. He'll guide us into all truth. He won't speak on his own. He'll speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. And he will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. We step out of the mystery of what am I meant to be doing? And we walk into the light of this is what God is saying. It takes a leaning in. It takes an intentional cultivation on our part. But as we enter into this mirroring, Jesus says we will do even greater things. He's not saying that we will become greater than him. The servant cannot be greater than the master. But the greater thing is the advantage that Holy Spirit is to us because Jesus came and he revealed the Father to Israel. And like we said, he was constrained by his physical body that where he went was who heard. Today, tomorrow, next week, the week after, you and I get to go and to reveal the Father's heart wherever we go. We get to take the message of Jesus to the ends of the earth. Just as Jesus brought the Father glory, just as Holy Spirit reveals Jesus' glory, we now get to do the same. What a privilege. What a joy. We carry the answers, friend. Not just for our situations, but for the people that you will meet in the days ahead. Would you stand with me? As the team comes, we're going to just enter into a time of worship and and opening ourselves up to receive this incredible gift, this incredible advantage God has generously given to us. But first, I want to invite you to believe. 
If you are here today and you have never made that declaration of faith, while our heads are bowed, I want to invite you just to raise your hands, to open them towards heaven and say, I believe Jesus, that you are the way, the truth, and the life that you might receive this incredible gift. And maybe you've done that before, but you haven't been continuing in Him as Lord. You haven't been allowing Him on a day-by-day, moment-by-moment basis to be the way, to be the truth, to be the life. And so maybe you need to re-surrender and reaffirm your belief this morning. We're just going to pray, and I would love it if you would repeat after me. Jesus, I believe that you are the way, the truth, and the life. I invite you to be Lord, not just today, but every day. And I receive the gift of forgiveness, the gift of eternal life, the gift, the advantage of Holy Spirit. And I commit to love you well. In Jesus' name. You know, if you prayed that prayer, we're going to enter into a time of worship. There'd be people who would love to pray with you. But as we open up this time for ministry, I also want to give a challenge and an invitation to those of us who believe. You know, maybe there is somewhere that you have been resisting obedience. And you need to take a step this morning and say, Lord, I'm willing. I'm willing to be obedient in that place because I want to see your spirit move. Maybe that's the step you need to take. Maybe you need to get back to your first love. Somehow you've lost it and you just need Holy Spirit to rekindle the love that you have for Father, Son and Holy Spirit. But I also want to speak to those who your heart is troubled. You don't want it to be troubled. You want the peace that Jesus said He would give you. You want the counsel and you just need someone to stand with you. Because this is the beautiful thing. Not only are we invited into unity with Trinity, we're invited into unity with one another. And sometimes when we're stuck, someone else hears for us and can speak to us what Holy Spirit is saying and what Holy Spirit is hearing. And our team would love to come and minister to you if that is you this morning. So we're just going to hand over to the team, but don't, as Liz said, let fear hold you back. Lean into what God's wanting to do for you today. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your ministry this morning, Father. Father, thank you, God, for speaking to our hearts and our minds, Lord. Father, just mm, would you stay with us today, Lord? Would you be with us throughout our day? Would you bring back to mind some of the, the things that Amy's spoken this morning, Father God, and help us to apply it, 
God, to our life, to, to what you're doing in us and what you're doing through us, Lord God. Father, we love you and we thank you for what you're doing in our lives. In Jesus' name.